This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We are so glad that you are here today, and we are going to talk about happiness and resiliency and all kinds of cool stuff. My name is Audrey Strong. I'm Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. That's right. And Christina Unrein is our guest today. She is the founder of Possibility Lab. And get this, everybody needs to talk to Christina. She is a clarity and happiness coach for achievement-driven leaders, business owners, and teams. And she creates personal and business solutions that focus on mindset, happiness, and resiliency. The, the trifecta of wonderful. Yeah, I met Christina. I met Christina at the ATD conference out in San Diego recently where I swear to God, she's the happiest person I've ever met. <laughs> I want to know what your secret is, Christina. That's why you're here. <laughs> well, awesome. Is that where you want me to start? You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say miscommunication is the number one mistake that managers make. Talk about that and expand on it. Well, what I think happens is that people aren't curious, especially managers and leaders. We're always running around trying to get the next thing done, and we're focused on getting things done. And there's so much to the communication role in building relationships and understanding each other and just taking time to listen so that you don't have blow-ups or you don't have something that shows up where you thought something else would be showing up. So I think miscommunication in not just the listening side, but also setting expectations with what you should and shouldn't do, what you like out of the workplace or what you expect from other people needs to be clarified a lot more in order to get the results that you're looking for. Yeah, so I do want to circle back to, the, to, to, to that and make that a question. It's like, you know, you know I'm rattling off some things that I, I know that people complain about a lot and makes, makes people unhappy. There's traffic, criticism, politics, Mondays. And it's like, and I refuse, quite frankly, to, to, get, to hear people complain about Mondays. But anyway, these are things that make, that make people perpetually unhappy. So how, as a manager, do you deal with it yourself, first of all? And then second of all, then how can you, uh, really, first of all, what's your secret for being so damn happy yourself? <laughs> okay. and, and then we'll translate that to the managers and, and, and to the reports. I focus on what I can control. So many people focus outside themselves and they're ticked off about everything else. But I look at it and I say, what can I control within this? And you know what I can always control? I can always control my choice. I think that's like the greatest gift we've ever been given. We get to control how we react to things, how we think about things. So maybe people need to think about 10 different ways you can think about something. And always asking myself, how can I make what's happening serve me? Because hmm. it's happening anyway. Give, give myself the benefit of the doubt that there's some meaning to this maybe. And, and so then as a manager then, we have to make sure you know, a, a dead battery can't jumpstart a, a dead battery, right? So as a manager, I mean, we have to model positive behavior if we want our people to be positive. Okay, what are some tips you can give the managers in to, to, uh, you know, to have some of these outlooks and, and to practice these types of things? The best thing is to be very clear. A lot of people are so worried about being right or wrong. 
I don't think there necessarily is a right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I think there is a you and how are you? <laughs> and if you decide that that's good enough, which you, you have to have that acceptance that you have a unique worth. You're not supposed to look like somebody else or be like somebody else. There's something awesome about your strengths and you need to identify those for yourselves. And then you need to tell your employees, I expect the same from you. You need to find out what's special about you and you need to translate that to us so we can work together because I'm not going to be awesome at everything, but what I'm awesome at, you might not be. So we can work together to have a positive attitude about just being awesome ourselves. It's, it's really hard for some people to reframe things. And I think that is a really, really good skill that most leaders should be teaching other people is that there's 10 ways to look at everything. Think of more and more possibilities and more and more interpretations of things so that you can decide which one's actually going to get us somewhere because we can all be stuck if we want to be, but let's try to make some, some headway on some things. I love this because it's teaching critical thinking to some of your reports and somebody who has got a negative Nelly, isn't that the term we usually on, yeah. on staff that's we a broken term, record? It's a we great, use the term Eeyore around here. Uh, Eeyore, we, we do the poo yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll never work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't work like this. Yeah. I think that that's a great way to have a conversation and try and break that mindset that they have and give them a little more self-awareness that they're in it. Are there people that are negative Nellies and Eeyores that really literally don't know that they're wired that way, that there's other ways to operate and be happy at work? There are so many people that have never been introduced to like multi-thinking methods, right? Like some people have only grown up in one way of society with one type of friend and one type of family and everything goes X way and you better be on board or get off the train, right? So in that case, those people haven't even been introduced to the idea that, oh my gosh, there's something different and it's okay. So a lot of the times the assumption piece, which I think is another piece of that miscommunication, assuming that other people know, that's on you. That's your yeah. part as a leader to step up and make sure that they realize there's alternatives and then find out really what their values are because you're, you're functioning where maybe their value is. I only care about the sport I play and I just so happen to have a job. Well, you're going to have to figure out how to work around that or they're maybe not a good fit for your team, but you need to know that so you know where they fit and you know what they're thinking and you know how to motivate them even though I also believe that everybody should be self-motivated. So teaching others why they should celebrate, why they should take care of themselves so that they can be a functioning team member is really, really important in my mind too. You know, I want to go back to something you said earlier. I had a business coach that once, uh, once taught me, it's like, uh, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's so true. That is, a, that is the choice, I think. Is this yeah. the hill you want to die on is what I say to people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so so what? So let's say that I, I'm looking to hire happier people. Let's say that I'm lucky enough that somehow uh, the Eeyores, you know, have, have left my team or something like that, and I get to start fresh or something like that. I'm, I'm looking for people that are happy. What what personality traits, you know, should I be looking for in hiring a happy person? Personal responsibility. So somebody that believes they control their journey. And maybe things happen that's outside of their control, but they believe that they have some type of responsibility to control what they can. Somebody who's willing to listen, 
or they're willing to learn to do that if nothing else. The people that are willing to see multiple views and have an open mind, those people are typically very good at picking up on diversity is an okay thing. I don't need to think like that person, but I need to appreciate that that person thinks differently than me and how do we create synergy with that? So I, I always appreciate somebody who's self-motivated, somebody who is an activator that they'll take charge and they won't stall out and say, hey, I need some more direction before I move forward. I hope that person gives it to me. No, go ask them and say, I got two questions. Can I do this, this, or this? And how are you going to feel about that, right? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do something. There's somebody who wants to do something with the choice they have. How do you know when you've achieved happiness? I don't know if you if you ever achieved it. It's sort of that state of being. Uh, a lot of people look at me and say, oh, that's happiness, right? But That's happiness. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happiness looks like for me. I know other people that happiness is them giggling in a book and being in a corner separated from everybody and not really want to be part of the, the team or being part of a, a big crowd. So happiness looks very different for lots of people. Some people get really, really excited to tinker with things, right? I, I am not the tinkerer. I am not the person that just likes to, to do things and make things. I want to be making progress. That's how, that's why I work with achievement driven people. So we have a different way of, of, working inside of us that motivates us. So I understand that more, but happiness doesn't look like this excitement that I have for everybody. But I'm hoping that me having my happiness makes somebody else go, crap, what is that? I want that for me, whatever it is. I want that on the podcast so I can share that with the world. That, that, that's my soul. And then I asked the question then too, because like I, it, the question also has an, another side to it, which is how does a manager you know, able to determine if one of their team members is happy or, or unhappy. And if they're unhappy, then, you know, then maybe that's how that's a signal they should step in and, and try to help that person. But if they're, you know, if you don't know what happiness is, I don't know how you, as a manager, you're going to be able to identify it in somebody else. Well, I, I, I wrote a happiness book and my opinion on how it looks is that happiness is choice. You choose it and you continue to choose it. So if you see somebody stepping back from choice, like they're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. They never speak up. They never, and that could be because they don't feel comfortable. You have to talk through some of those things. But a lot of the times people just sort of go, I'm indifferent. If somebody becomes neutral and indifferent, it's unlikely in my mind that they're mm. really stepping into their happiness. Or resigned. Mm. Mm. Well, sometimes resigned is because of their values, though. They believe mm. so strongly in something, so at least they still care. When somebody starts becoming indifferent, they're like, I don't care if this place blows up. I don't care if we do excellent. It's all the same to me. And if you get into the all the same mode where there's no caring anymore one way or the other, I think that's when you really need to maybe figure something else out. Yeah. It's called the Happiness Workbook, everybody. Rise up, happiness soldiers. Get it on Amazon.com. Okay. That, you guys would want to know. Um, you talk about um, the way to keep your inner child alive and find a sense of play and happiness and whatever that looks like for each individual is by challenging yourself. 
Oh, she's smiling. Okay, yes. I, <laughs> she's always smiling. How we <laughs> that as managers and leaders, um, what does that look like in a typical workday? I'm trying to think of, there's so many different types, right? There's hands-on leaders that have to go and make sure somebody on the line is making a manufacturing product, right? And that's a little bit different compared to the people that are in the office or administrative, and they're just having a lot of creative brainstorming and teamwork and project management and that type of stuff. So the, the way I do it, and I encourage others to do, do it and find it for themselves, is sort of like that way that if we were in a car as a kid and we didn't have iPads and all that fun stuff back then, right? Mm -hmm. And we went on a long trip, we all made up games, right? Everybody had their way traveling. Yes. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have seatbelts in the back seat back when I was a kid. So we <laughs> right? Slug bug bread. Even if your least favorite game was the silent game because your parents wanted you to shut up for about 10 minutes, right? Like once we're at 10 mile markers and you notice it, you get a, a starburst. Good job you, right? But, <laughs> but the other games, you made them up. Let's find all the letters of the alphabet in a row or let's find I spy or whatever it is. Any chance to slug my brother in the arm was a great <laughs> opportunity. Blood bug, yeah. So, We've been creative and we, we keep cutting that off. And people think that as a, an adult, we need to be very humble and we need to know the answers. And I, I wanna push us out of that. I wanna say, we don't need to know the answers. We need to be smart enough to ask enough questions to get a new answer or to get a new direction. To so even find the answer. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So add some gains in there. I, one of the biggest things is you have to learn to celebrate and appreciate. There, we were so good at it as kids, right? We'd be excited. I love stickers, so that's really motivating for me. Other people, they like to treat themselves to something to eat or go out with friends or whatever that is. But you need to appreciate what you're doing on the journey, and you need to not just overlook when you hit a goal. It needs to be a re really meaningful thing. So I think inputting celebration and appreciation on a personal level, especially when you're a leader, because that flows down to tell everybody else whether or not they can do the same thing. And then inserting any games you can that aren't just a challenge, but there's actual fun and excitement and, you know, a way to tease or to, to have fun with it. And we all know how to do it. We were all kids. We all could do it. And giving ourselves permission to bring it back to life is sort of what I'm encouraging. That makes sense. Dodgeball. What do you think in the offices there, Lee? I, I, I would, yeah. <laughs> if I could, if I could do it without getting a lawsuit, I think it'd be great. <laughs> Who do I want to take out first? No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> oh, no, candidly, there's really nobody I'd want to take out. I mean, I've, I've reached a point where it's like, okay, no, it's like I, I wouldn't want to do that. So, you know, but I, I can tell you, there's a lot of businesses that we consult with or whatever that, that don't have that same luxury. I don't think so. You know, so my question to you might be, let's say that I had something really terrible happen to me. It's like I lost a big sale, I lost a client, uh, you know, I, uh, someone ran into my nice new car or something like that on a drive into work and everything like that. You know, what kind of uh, tactics can I employ then to make sure that I don't fall into the, the abyss of negativity? I think you have to find challenge as a growth opportunity or something that's fun. And the, another reason I, I I call challenge before sort of a necessity is can you imagine a life without challenge? How no. freaking boring would that be? Like, I don't want to live. Just be done with me. 
basically being a robot. I don't want that for me, and I don't think most people want that for them either, but they have disassociated challenge with fun mm-hmm. and challenge with growth. And so for me, those somewhat seeming bad things that have happened to you in those cases, we have to learn to reframe. What, what, what did I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Or what can I appreciate from this? And if, if you can get really good at that, then you can get better and better at noticing those things all the time instead of just when something horrible happens in your mind. You can reframe, like, my car got hit. Well, at least I'm not injured. Mm. Or, ooh, I, maybe I should have parked there next time. Parking behind a driveway is a pretty bad place to park, right? <laughs> so, and sometimes the hardest lessons are the ones that stick with you. And they're the ones that give you the greatest growth. So I don't want to say that they're meaningless as a bad thing. But I think that you, if you want to serve yourself on your journey, getting wherever your dreams take you, you have to find out how each piece of life brings something of value to you. So the lessons that mean the most sting the most, that, that's kind of in my experience. Yeah. And it, my other thing is, I'm, as I'm thinking about this, is a, it's another phrase that I like to use, when life gives you lemons, make lemon drop martinis. <laughs> make it a double we, we don't need lemonade now we're growing up now so, you know, we're growing up. we've got a few minutes left i wanted to ask you about your achievers program that's starting um i not sure where in the rotation this podcast what when it'll come out but in overall how often do you do those and how can what are they and how can people get a hold of you sure I'll give you a brief summary. And, and the way it happens is I really focus on achievers. We have a different, a different clock inside of us that tells us we got to get it more done. We got to get more done. Nobody's catching up with us. The world's on our shoulders. Everything is up to us. And if you know what I'm talking about, or you know somebody like me, that, that's exactly who I love working with. And the way that the program works is that I do resiliency training and the resiliency training is based on, and we've even covered some of it today. It's being present so you can figure out who the heck you are. So many mm-hmm. people are getting distracted and they're like, I don't know who I am. So obviously I'll be whoever you want me to be for a while. And then it's finding that unique worth, finding that self-acceptance, finding what your strengths are and why you exist the way you do. And then when you do that, you get to figure out what your boundaries and expectations are. So many people have problems with that. And it's because they don't know what they value or what their value is. So they don't know how to draw lines and decide what benefits them and what should be kept away from them. And then the next piece builds on it for balance. A whole bunch of people think balance is when you have 60, 40% on work-life balance or whatever it is. I think balance is when you put your energy in something that energizes you. So as long as you're doing that and you understand that because of your unique value, then you'll be able to have balance in your life. And we already talked about celebration and appreciation. So those are the elements that I think people need to further redefine for themselves so that they can be more and more resilient. And then on top of that, work on their personal and professional goals. And so it's monthly coaching two times for three months. And then on top of that, having two sessions of resiliency training with a group discussion online. So that's really what the program entails. So if you guys are interested in that, it's possibility-lab.com with the hyphen in there, right? Yep. To reach out to you. Christina, the happiest woman on earth. That's just what we're going <laughs> to do. That's right. Online. 
We're so glad you came on the show. And I hope everybody can feel your energy come through this podcast because I'm feeling it on the Zoom room that we're recording in and it's delightful. You're, you're a delight. <laughs> we can all take a cue from you, my dear. Yeah, that's for sure. It's like, I mean, can, can you remember the last time that you weren't happy that you reacted negatively or, you know, you had stinking thinking or, or, you know, that negative voice in your head? Can you even remember the last time that, that happened? Well, they happen all the time. That's the goal, right? The goal is to minimize them or to be able to turn quicker than you did before. So it, they always are going to come to you. You just have to be like, ha ha, I see you. I see you. <laughs> Not today. No. <laughs> <laughs> reframe, reframe. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christina. Have it a has great been day. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll see you on the dance floor again sometime. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.